Hey guys, my name is Crystal Kenny, and I'm in love with creating. All things artistic and imagination involved. I'm an American girl who chased her creative dreams all the way to Paris, France, making a living using photography. This podcast takes you inside the stories of all the artsy folks I've met along the way and gives you that extra push to discover your creative gifts. The desire to create is deeply inside each and every one of us, and I give you the tools and inspiration to find a new way of living a more creative life. This is La Vie Creative, the podcast. Claudine Hemingway is a descendant of famed writer Ernest Hemingway. We bumped into each other at a party and decided to team up and dive deep into French history, but with a twist, by bringing a spotlight to those lesser-known creatives in France. This is History with a Hemingway. We are back with Paris History Advocate Hemingway. So sorry for missing last week, guys. Claudine was flying across the ocean and we didn't have time to record, but we promised not to miss another episode. And today we are talking about the south side of Ile Saint-Louis. So I'll let Claudine take it from here. Yeah, two weeks ago, we talked about the north side of Ile Saint-Louis, which is facing the right bank. And now we are going to talk about the side that faces the left bank. And if you remember from the one we did, um, then we talked also at the beginning about just the island and how most of it, you know, it dates back to Louis um, Louis the Ninth, Saint-Louis. And then a lot of it was incorporated and, and built up under Louis the Fourteenth and a lot of his ministers. And so we'll have more of those that we'll bring up today, too. And a few other um, notable women that actually lived on the island. But we're starting at the very end of it. That we was where we left last time is at the Place Louis Aragon. Um, it was a, he was a surrealist writer that was born in 1897, and after World War II, he returned um, to writing poetry. Um, at the at, he died um, in 1982. And the Place Louis Aragon was inaugurated 30 years after his death in 2012. It's just this really cute, kind of little quiet um, end there of the Ile Saint-Louis. And it, that is where it has the little, if you look down towards the water, that is where it has the lamppost that a lot of time when Paris, the water starts to rise at the Seine, it looks like this uh, lamppost is just kind of sticking out and floating in the water. But it's a fun little place to just kind of stop. And there's a bench there and you could take a few minutes. Uh, but when you go around the corner um, at number 51, it was built by Francois Laveau. And if you remember when we talked about it, the whole island was pretty much done by uh, Francois and his brother. <laughs> um, it was built in 1659. And in 1671, he gave it to the nephew of Philippe de Champigny. Um, Jean-Baptiste de Champigny also played a big part in the Eglise Saint-Louis en Lille, which was what we'll also talk about, which is the one little church that's there on the island, which is dedicated to Saint-Louis. Um, at number 53, Charles Tolzon um, was, lived there. He was married to Francois Laveau's wife after his death. Um, this was also the location used in one of our favorites movies, Midnight in Paris. I'm going to all the places. Yeah, and when you see when he just says, you know, after that first, he is that first night where he goes back in time, and then he was like, oh, let's go to this, you know, let's go to this club. Um, and they the, the old car comes around the little corner that's right at the end of Ile Saint-Louis, and you see it. So when you watch the movie again, and then you go to Paris and take this episode and the last one with you and use it as like your own little personal walk, you'll see exactly what we mean. <laughs> I like it. 
which comes all comes to life. Um, right when you turn around, go past there, it turns into the Quai d'Orléans. Um, this is basically right there at the end of the island where you have all those restaurants. Um, there's four restaurants there. Two of them, now I might say just one of them, I think is really good. Um, Le Florent Lille uh, has the red awnings and it looks at, they actually have the best view because they look at the back of Notre Dame. That is always a favorite of mine, has amazing deck confit. It has, there's the other favorite of everybody's, um, the Café Saint-Régis, which is picturesque. Everybody loves it. But I have to say, I went there recently and I didn't love it. And I sat inside, which I usually never do because it was kind of chilly. Um, and every single person in there, other than the wait staff, spoke English. And I, that is always kind of a nope for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> because it, that, it, it, it's horrible to say this. And of course, if you speak English, then it's nice. But it definitely, um, it will, a restaurant will start to go down because of that, because they know that they don't have to try too hard because these people are tourists and they're not going to come back. So, your prices will go up and the food quality sometimes goes down. Yeah. So um, I honestly don't think I'd go there again, um, which is kind of a bummer because it's a place I always loved. But I didn't like I ate there that day and the food wasn't great. Um, and that I just was like, yeah, which is sad because I know that everybody listening to that is probably shocked right now because they all <laughs> love that place. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like to take pictures there. I don't really eat there either. Yeah, I mean, it's sitting outside. It's like a perfect little spot. But the other two restaurants there at the end as well, um, they're really touristy. Um, and the food's not great and the prices are kind of high. And that's usually when we say it's touristy, those are the two things you get. So yeah. um, the the Le Fleur en Lille um, is always really good. And then they also have, just like everywhere else on the island, the Bertillon ice cream. The best. Which the salted butter caramel butter, salted caramel, whichever way you say that is, will change your life. I told somebody recently. <laughs> so when you go around the corner at number 36, um, Andre Dagmont, who was an artist, um, he was also, he did watercolors and painting, and he did a lot of uh, paintings of women and landscapes. He lived there in 1927 until he died in 1965. Um, the, a few block, uh, just a block down, um, there is a building that I am obsessed with, and you, it's probably very hard to even notice this and you kind of have to almost go to the bridge or across the island to really see it. But, um, at number 18 and 20, if you look up at the top, um, base, I think it's pretty much number 20, they have pieces of a cathedral. And so they have like a small flying buttress and then there's other Gothic elements. And I have, I have searched for years for information about this, wondering where those pieces came from because we are so close to Notre Dame. They look at Notre Dame. I'm wondering if those pieces were originally from Notre Dame when uh, and taken down when Villiers-le-Duc did it in the 19th century when he updated Notre Dame. Um, I'm obsessed with these and I just want to know their story and I can't. I'm just someday going to have to stand there and wait for the door to open and then find <laughs> somebody that lives there. But it's really cool. The building, um, from what I have found, was built in 1640 um, and it was built for Jacques uh, Renault. Um, he was a French philosopher and a physicist, um, but I still can't find out. But it's really cool. If you go to the Pont de la Tournelle and look back up that way, it's you can't miss it. It's really, really cool. Let's check it out. And then right next to that, at number 16, it was built for the finance minister, uh, Bigot, in 1640. But later, um, Roger Vadam lived there. He was a film director 
who was involved with three of the loveliest ladies, um, uh, Bridget Bardot, Catherine Deneuve, and he was also married to Jane Fonda. That's random. And she she's fluent in French. I didn't know that. Yep. Just one more reason. She's amazing. Um, yeah. Number 12 is where Pierre Roy Collard lived. In 1792, he was a politician and a historian. Um, physicist Henry Wolfeldin also lived there. He invented, um, here he invented um, the, uh, ended up creating this whole piece of something to do with bronze. Um, some of the way that they broke down bronze and, and, and created this whole system. And there is a really cool plaque there to him on the side of the wall. Um, and that's where also Felix Dever was born there in 1806. He was a popular poet of the 19th century. So, Some you know, people. most of these people you've never heard of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in number eight in 1645, it was built. Um, Jean de la Ville de Marimont lived there um, from 1911 to 1914 when he moved to Paris. Um, his story, I, there's not a whole lot about him, but I kind of was just fell in love just with what little bit I found. He worked with the elderly at just 30, 23 years old. And when World War One broke out, he enlisted immediately. Um, for three years, he still lived there um, and wrote poetry. But he died on November 28, 1914. Um, he was killed by a landmine. That's sad. But I love that he worked with, like, the elderly when he was, you know, like 20 years old. It's adorable. Um, number, there's a lot, there's a few, uh, pieces of Polish history here on the island too. At number six is the Polish library that was opened in 1853. Um, it includes the historical items of Chopin and also of Adam Mikowitz. Um, there's a museum dedicated to him on the second floor. Um, it's just right there on the edge of the Pont de la Tournelle. There's also a, a sushi, a very small sushi restaurant right next to it that is absolutely phenomenal. Oh. Um, and it has like three tables in it, but it is really, really delicious. Um, the Pont de la Tournelle is what will get you back over to the left bank. It was first built in 1620. The current version was down in 1928. And on the top of it, you will see our wonderful um, Saint Genevieve that is there looking over, um, the, watching the edge of the city. Paul Landowski created that in 1928. And he also created the very famous Christ the Redeemer down in Rio de Janeiro. Oh. Yeah. Um, the quai, it then turns into the Quai de Beton. Um, it was originally the Quai de Balcon by Louis Laveau. Um, at number th 36, the Hotel de Pierre Viol was built in 1640. Um, during the Fronde, Viol was um, a little too involved um, with the Fronde, which was trying to take down Louis XIV. He was exiled in, in, at that time by Louis XIV. And in 1661, Pierre Fauré, who was the first valet to Louis um, XV, Passed and then it passed through many um, of his different uh, ministers and valets over time. Jules Jazot, um was the owner um, of the department store Printemps. He ended up moving there in the 19th centuries. Um, and then six years after the death of her husband, Marie Curie moved there in 1912 um, and stayed there until her death in 1934. What? So it's radioactive. Yeah. So we have to, we do, she's on my list to do an episode about Marie Curie because she was pretty amazing. But her husband, he died because he was always distracted and always thinking. So one day he was um, walking down um, just right at the end of Pont Neuf on the left bank there. 
and he was kind of thinking and distracted and got run over by a carriage. What? Um, and basically the carriage wheel, um, and this was, you know, there was no, there's no pavement or cobblestones. It was into the gunk. Um, and basically it ran over and like hit his head and died. He died. That's so sad. What a horrible way to die. I know. It's so sad. Um, in 1952, Rene Cassant was a lawyer and a diplomat. Um, he focused on human rights his, his entire life, and he also won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1968. He also lived in that building. Wow, cool. So it's a quite, quite a, um, you know, and there's, there are, you know, some of these buildings have plaques on it. There is a, a plaque here for Marie Curie and also for Rene Cassin. Um, but not, there's not plaques on every single building, um, which, you know, would be a little bit more helpful sometimes, but sure. <laughs> um, at number 34 was the Hotel de Ganto Biron. Um, in 1641, it was built for Simon Iguerre, who um, <clears throat> was at the start of the 18th century and later to Louis Anton de uh, Gotton, who was the Duc de Biron. Biron was a marshal of France under Louis the Fifteenth, but he also, you might remember that name because of the Hotel Biron, which is where the Musée Rodin is. Aha! So he ended up buying that in 1753. Um, he barely lived there. If you remember when we did that episode about the uh, Musée Rodin, he did not live there very long, um, but it is still called the Hotel Biron. It is interesting how, you know, a lot of times you would think that the person that built the building, you know, would be that's where the name comes from. But sometimes two or three people go through two or three hands before it gets to the built to the name that it, it sticks. Like now it's called this. I guess it's like in the U.S. when you know, it changes from being, you know, the, the Barclay center to the Delta center to the whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the most. yeah. Um, and number 32 in 1640, Louis Laveau um, built that for Philippe Guion, who was a general of finance for Louis the 14th. Um, and number 30 is a hotel Poutard, which again, Louis Laveau built in 1641 for Louis Poutard. So see, that's one that it, kept its first name um in the 18th century the facade was updated and with the mascarons and musical instruments were added above its first floor it's a really beautiful building um right next to that is another one that Laveau did um the hotel aubert perrault in 1640 for claude aubert who was a controller of the city hall in 1770 pierre perrault who was a president of the court of auditors restored it and added three allegorical bas reliefs on the first floor dedicated to sculpture, music, and paintings. Um, also here, we're going to go, we're almost to a building that has a very sad history, but at 26, Hotel Sanko was built in 1640 for Nicholas Sanko, who was the king um, king's butler. So, you know, being a butler or the valet for the king was a pretty good job because you got a pretty uh, sweet uh, house out of it. Yeah, not a bad deal. <laughs> yeah, and it was like, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but I always tell people on tours that... Um, when he, when we talk about like the you know especially when you're in the palace of the Louvre you know the old part of the Louvre the most pro, the most sought after job for the king to be around the king was to be the person that sat there with him when he went to the bathroom what was- and these aristocrats would actually pay for the privilege of having that job because you were the one that got more time alone with the king than anybody else Oh my God, that's so gross. So they literally would pay for the opportunity to sit with the king when he went to the bathroom. That is so gross. So gross. But 
I mean, if you paid for it and then all of a sudden now you're a Duke and you have this huge, you know, chateau, I guess it was probably worth it. I guess. you. Yeah. <laughs> And number um, 24 is the Hotel Hasselant. It was once uh, covered most of the area and the gardens. It stretched all the way to the church. Um, Laveau built it in 1640 for Dennis Hasselant, who was steward of the king's pleasures and officer of court ballets. Um, he died after um, swallowing 294 walnut kernels on a bet. What the heck? <laughs> yeah. In 1935, Helene Rubinstein um, had it demolished. Only the door remains. She rebuilt it in an Art Deco style with a lovely rooftop garden by Louis So. Um, during World War II, the Germans occupied the building. They actually were shooting up the furniture. Um, so there was bullet holes in the furniture and the walls, and Helene left all of it. So apparently it was still there. She rented it out to the president, Georges Pompidou, in 1970. He died there on April 2nd, 1974, while he was still in office. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's kind of sad because it was this beautiful, amazing building that kind of stretched around the whole end of the island there, and she had it taken down. Yeah, that's super sad. Yeah. Also, the bullet hole. Well, wow. it, yeah, it's kind of, uh, you know, there's a lot of that. If you go to the um, military school there that's um, at the end of the Champ Mars, which is only open once a year, but there is an office there that has bullet holes in the mirror because they, and they are back from the revolution. Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, which is kind of cool. And number 22 is Hotel Lefebvre de la Barre. Um, Laveau, of course, made that for Antoine Lefebvre de la Barre, who was the counselor of the parliament. Baudelaire, who, if you remember, we've mentioned him about 100 times in the last episode um, because he lived all over the island. He lived there from March 1842 to June of 1843. Um, his brother also um, lived there at the same time, or Laveau's brother lived there. Um, the two, um, two of the, the Hotel Lefer right next to it were, that was also built at the same time. Um, and then the Hotel de Camion d'Astre Richelieu was built in 1644, who was the butler of the king and the nephew of Richelieu lived there later in the 17th century. So many famous people. So many famous people. Um, then you go down the street. We go down the Rue de Bretonvier. Um, was named for Claude Le Rougie, um de Bretonnier, who was the Secretary of Commerce under Louis XIII. In 1637, on what was Ile Notre Dame, um, there were six hotels and a garden were built on the property. Most of it was destroyed, and only, the only thing that remains is the arcade there that looks over the Rue Ile Saint-Louis-en-Lille, which is the main street that goes right through the center of the island. Um, on this side of the island, it's very quiet. The island in general is very quiet, but when you're at the very far end of it, towards Notre Dame, that's usually where there's a lot more people. But if you come down on this end, it's very, very quiet. Um, number three through nine on the Rue Ile Saint-Louis um, are the rem remnants of the Hotel de Bretonvier, which is on um, the south side of the street. Um, and number 12, uh, Philippe Le Bon was born, um, lived there. He was born in 16, 1767, sorry. He created hydrogen gas. And figured out uh, fuel. He figured out how to harness hydrogen gas into fuel and patented the very first lighting in Paris that was done on September 21st, 1799. It was installed at the Hotel de Seigneur in the 7th. The gas was heated by a wood oven, moving the gas through the pipes. So it was the very first place that ever had lighting in Paris. Um, Le Bon died the day before 
Napoleon was coronated. One legend says that he was stabbed 13 times on the Champs-Élysées, but really he died in this house at 37 years old, which is when they all die is at 37 years old. Um, but here at this intersection, yeah, no, it's really random. I'm, I'm going to do a whole thing someday about just all the people, you know, uh, Van Gogh, all the people that died, uh, Jerry, or, um, uh, Shannon Soul, all of these people died at exactly 37 years old. It's very strange. Isn't it usually um, the curse of 27 with the rock stars? I think so. Yeah. But 30, yeah, it's just very strange that a lot of these artists and people died at exactly at 37. Yeah. Um, but right here, when you go through to the next street, the um, Rue uh, Poutaillet, it was where the two islands once met. So Ile Saint-Louis is made up of two islands. There was Ile Notre-Dame and there was Ile Vache, which is the island of cows. Um, it was originally just a cow pasture. This is where Louis the Louis the Ninth would come and pray, um, which is why now it's called Ile Saint-Louis. Um, it was joined in 1614, and then that's when they created into the one island. But if you walk across that street, which is a kind of a major street that crosses over, that is basically kind of where the two places, the two different islands met. There is a restaurant right there that's called like Ila Vash, which is gives it back to that little reminder of that. Um Marie um uh, Marie de Medici um and Louis her son Louis the thirteenth were the first ones who decided to have houses built there, 1620 to 1650. First um at the time that it was planned just to be used for buildings. Um, they weren't going to originally just be homes, but at that time they decided to um, fill it with more hotel particular. They focus more, a um, little less on the facades of the building. And so it's still a beautiful island. I mean, it has those beautiful Paris buildings, but the courtyards, anytime you see a door open, the courtyards on the Ile Saint-Louis are pretty stunning. Um, there on that you're also right there at the Eglise Saint Louis en Lille, which built in 1624 to 1726 and is dedicated to Saint Louis, of course. Um, he because he would come here to pray in the past year um, with his mother Blanche de Castille. Francois Laveau, the brother of Louis Laveau, um, was chosen as the architect, and the first stone was laid in 1664 um, in the choir. Not until 1702. Um, was the neck the stone of the nave laid so it there was a lot it took quite a long time to build this between all the different wars and everything going on on july 14th 1726 it was finally finished um jean-baptiste de chapinier lived at the end of the island that we mentioned he worked on the interior um some of that is now lost but um jean-baptiste uh, de chapinier was later buried there so there's a cemetery on the island no, most of the churches have people that the most churches have people buried in the crypts. Oh yeah, a lot of times when you see the names on the floor, there's a yeah. person there. Yeah, and they recently just discovered some at Notre Dame because they're doing all this work and they're finding all these sarcophagus they didn't know that there were there underneath uh, Notre Dame. Yeah, they found a really old one. Well, they're all really old because they all go back to like the 11th century. <laughs> um, during the revolution, most of it was, most of the church was destroyed. Some items um, were removed, thankfully, for um, safekeeping. Um, the saint jean and the Virgin of statues that are you see there survived. One thing that's really interesting that's very distinct about it is the bell tower. When you look at the bell tower going down the street, it has holes in it. It has big circles cut out of it because um, the original one was destroyed in 1740 in a storm. And so 
they decided because it just is like this wind tunnel that goes down the center of the island. They decided to cut these circles in it so that the wind could pass. Tech, right now, they are doing work on the facade. They're doing some work on the church, which they're doing all over Paris. You'll see a lot of that in churches because the mayor put all this money um, into helping that because most of the churches lost a lot of money during COVID because they didn't have people coming into the church to buy candles and, you know, when they, you know, the pass around the hat to fill with money. So the city is actually doing a lot of work to try to, um, you know, re uh, redo some of these facades that are falling apart. Uh, but it's a really cool church to go into. It has um, in the back of it, it has some really great stained glass windows dedicated to Blanche de Castille, who was the mother of Louis um, the ninth. It's just a really, really small, but beautiful church. Um, another person that lived on the island, I don't know where, um, which I have tried to find, was Alexander Bontemps. He was um, the valet and one of the closest friends to Louis the Fourteenth. He was um, the second in the line of five Bontemps to hold the job. Um, and if you watch that TV series Versailles, um, he it plays a huge part in in the show. But I had learned that he had lived on the island, and so I wanted to know where. But the building doesn't remain anymore. But I still, um, I'll I'll try to find it someday. The place where it was. Yeah, but right past the um, right past the church, there is at number fifty one is a beautiful facade code called the Hotel de Chenizo in sixteen twenty. It was built in seventeen nineteen. It was bought by Jean Francois de Chenizo who had the balcony added and updated the facade. It is really, really gorgeous. In 1840, it became the home of the Archbishop of Paris, Afri. Um, and then it has a really beautiful dragon and everything on um, the front of it. This courtyard's usually always open because there's a business in there. So definitely poke your head in there and go check it out when you walk down the island. Tell us how to break and enter. Yep. Well, you just kind of, you know, you never pass up an open, uh, you never want to pass up an open uh, <laughs> anything in Paris. Just look around and then that's when you could just pretend like you're just the, you know, the American tourist that's lost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't speak French. I'm stupid. Yeah, exactly. That's when you pull that out. Perfect timing. Yeah. Well, now people can just take this and walk around and see the whole island. They can. And next week we're going to do another one about and the Ile de la Cité. I cannot wait. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and make sure to check out ClaudineHemingway.com for more information on her tours, trip planning, and history. Thank you for listening to Paris History Avec A. Hemingway. If you want to find out some more, you could always find me on my Instagram page, Claudine Bleu Blanc Rouge, and that's B-L-E-U, as in the French way to spell it. And each day I post a daily history lesson about a person or a place or something in Paris, or it's lots of fun facts. And then also at ClaudineHemingway.com, where you can also sign up for my newsletter there.